Club today on Mark My Words, I have a very special guest who I met not too long ago through uh, LinkedIn, my favorite social media platform. And when I learned that new when, and we talked about that enunciation of your last name, I hope <laughs> I got that good, but new here is... Uh, somebody that I share a very special uh, commonality and bond with. And we both were born with a cleft lip. Were you also born with the cleft palate too? I was, yeah. Okay, so that's two for two. So <laughs> New and I were born with a cleft lip and palate. And New is the first person after 41 years that I've ever met who I'm going to have a conversation with that has a cleft lip and palate. And part, not certainly not all the reason I'm doing this podcast, but some of the reason is to hopefully for people to see and hear me and be inspired by me. And I could not think because of the path that I've led, not meaning anybody, I guess, quote unquote, like me, you know, just didn't think that I would be having this kind of episode or conversation, but that's why I guess I'm doing this. So welcome to the show, New. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Mark. I'm feeling great. Um, and I think, you know, considering our circumstances, it's, so, it's really important to really put the awareness out there. So it's like you said yourself, you haven't really met anyone up until now. Um, so I think this is really important to share just in case there's anyone else out there that either has cleft lip palate as well or feels like they're alone, they're not. So this is really exciting to have a conversation with you. So thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, it's definitely my pleasure. And I will be the first to say that for many, many years, up until social media came along and people started creating pages around it, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook, mm -hmm. I have felt pretty alone with all this. I just, I feel like even though I mentioned before we started that my brother also had the same uh, obstacle, I mean, I have always more or less felt alone with this. So having social media and just the way the world has opened up more to, mm -hmm. uh, meeting people like me or you is going a long way as far as my, how I feel and, you know, in my own skin. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of really important issues that are out there today and they definitely deserve the time and the media that they get. But I feel like this is one of those things that does deserve a little more of a spotlight because I think there's a lot more people facing challenges. I mean, we're talking about, you know, our face. It's like the first thing that people see. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's so many people out there who, you know, are judgmental for the wrong reasons mm -hmm. and, you know, can't see past that. And mm -hmm. I feel like it's come a long way in my lifetime 
I certainly think since I was a kid, it's gotten a lot better, but I feel like mm-hmm. emphasis on stuff like this, especially like something like cleft lip, cleft palate, it deserves a little more focus and time. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited to take the opportunity to talk to you about all this. And I do want to, uh, maybe I'll give you the opportunity rather than me rambling on the whole time. I know you have your own business, you're a creative strategist, multimedia designer. Uh, Why don't you share a little bit about what you do and why you do it? Sure. So I am, like I said, a creative strategist. So it really stems from that place of wanting to lift people's voices up and share people's stories because, you know, I'm sure you share the same feeling. Um, when I was younger, it was really hard for me to have that voice. Um, you know, I was younger, I actually had um, a really large underbite. I had some work done, um, but, you know, I had really bad dental work. Um, it, my bilateral cleft palate was really more prominent and I was hard of hearing and I was a first generation immigrant. So growing up with all of that, it was really hard for me to figure out what my identity was um, and who I wanted to be and where I really stood in the world and what my place was. So I really turned to creativity and art to really help myself express what I was feeling. Um, and through that, I found my identity. So um, it was sort of in a way like a big, I'll show you to the world, you know, for looking down on me. I wanted to really do anything and everything I could creatively. So I started drawing, I started painting, um, I started doing theater and singing. I really wanted to do anything that could help me express who I was. So fast forward to today, um, I do a lot of that. So I really have that same um, ambition to really learn as much as I can creatively, just to be able to tell someone's story as robustly as possible. So um, I went to school for farming design, but I also taught myself photography. So I actually have a photography business that started in 2009. Um, and I ironically started in the fashion industry, um, you know, just because I really wanted to encapsulate what beauty meant to me um, and really help other people feel beautiful as well. And then that kind of transi- transitioned into um, the advertising marketing world. So now what I do is I, I do some art directing and I do some creative strategy for clients to help really understand what the message of their brand is. Um, you know, I think my thinking now with marketing, it's not about the product anymore. And it, it used to be, you know, here's what this thing does, A, B, and C. But now it's really about the audience and what they want to feel. Um, and for me, that's really powerful. Just using empathy as a big tool in everything I do creatively, it means a lot. So a lot of what I do is really inspired by my experiences growing up. Wow, that was a loaded and fantastic answer. That <laughs> there's so many things I want to touch on there. The, sure. the first thing that really got me was the fist pump and I'll show you mentality Mm -hmm. I can so relate to that it's ridiculous because 
growing up, I mean, I had a lot of people not, I mean, there were definitely people getting in my face saying, well, you know, you're not valid, you can't do it. But mm -hmm. there were plenty of people passively aggressively, uh, passive aggressively, just, you know, not having faith in me, not believing in me. And that, I, I think when you are somebody like me and yourself, I, I don't think people realize how smart and perceptive you become to those mm -hmm. things. And I think a lot of people think that they're doing a lot of that without the other person, you know, being me, not knowing. But I always sensed it and I always kind of knew. And that mentality is like the exact mentality I had for many years. And it actually, much like you, was a big reason that I, you know, motivated myself and was so driven to get the kind of work that I've had. I mean, I've worked for some of the biggest broadcast media companies in, like, the world, which awesome. that was my way of being, like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to get, like, the greatest job you're never gonna believe that I had this job mm -hmm. yeah. and now you're gonna respect me and yeah. Yeah. you know I I think you and I kind of like took slightly different paths on that but both mm -hmm. definitely seem to have the same mentality and I know for me one of my creative outlets was always writing which mm -hmm. I kind of pushed to the wayside up until the past few years, but uh, I, I can definitely understand the need to find that outlet to show people that, hey, there's, we have a lot more in common than you think. There's a lot yeah. more going on internally, and that it's interesting that we both found creative outlets to express that. Yeah, and I think to your point, right, I, when you're people like us, you become so much more hyper-aware of everything because you're, you, I don't know about you, but I was very quiet growing up, and people are just, you know, they're, they tend to be condescending, whether they mean it or not. Um, they just see you, and they kind of look down on you, and you take those things in like a sponge. Um, so growing up, you're, every single thing that you experience and feel you recognize all those nuances, right? You, the, the way someone might say hi would mean, like, it, 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 to us, it varies because someone can say hi in a certain way, but we know there's a deeper underlying thing to it. And maybe it's paranoia, I don't know, but I think to us, we really pick up on those things and it really just enriches our experiences more to just put that back out creatively, so. Well, I think by nature, I'm a much more extroverted person than mm -hmm. I think I ever really gave myself credit for. And I think early in life, it, it really depended. I had some real good groups of friends. Mm -hmm. I had some classmates that really weren't that good. And I think there's always been this, like, desire to be a little more extroverted and outgoing mm -hmm. and 
to do ultimately what I'm doing now. But I feel like by the time I got to high school, that part of me might have been like kind of beaten down a little bit. And I became a little more like withdrawn and internal. And that's really been a big part of like my adult life is to be a little more internal. But I don't think that's actually who I am. Mm -hmm. I think I want to be a little more extroverted and outgoing. And it's an interesting like personality like mix and conflict. And I found that when I started getting on LinkedIn and I started meeting people and they were encouraging me to make video content and just seeing myself on camera and hearing and just saying, oh, I don't sound that bad. I don't look that bad. Like, maybe I can do this. And it's been like a lifelong of building myself up in a lot of these ways. Mm -hmm. So... For me, it's interesting. So, first of all, have you always kind of dreamt of working for yourself and being an entrepreneur, or what was your goal to be a graphic designer and creative for like a brand? I, when I was younger, I don't think I ever really imagined what my adult life would be. Um, to be quite honest, just to kind of touch on the mental health side of things, I didn't even know if I was going to make it, um, not to make it dark, but, um, yeah, so, but I knew I always wanted to be creative, so, um, I think my, my, um, desires really fluctuated a lot, like, at first, so actually, when I was really, really young, I was super extroverted. And this is before I went to school and all that stuff. But it wasn't until I hit, like, or I was put into society that I realized that I didn't quite fit in. And that's really when I became more withdrawn. Um, but I've always loved to sing. So for a really long time, I wanted to be a singer. Um, but back then, you know, with Hollywood and societal norms, people weren't as open-minded about how people, how different people are. So. Um, you know, given my hearing issues and just not being able to communicate as effectively as I would like with other people, that dream fizzled well really quickly. Um, and then also I had a speech impediment. I still kind of do, um, but back then I really had to take some speech therapy because I just wasn't enunciating my words as well as I would have liked. Um, so that really squandered a lot of creative dreams that I wanted to have, so like being an actress or whatever it was. Um, but I knew I had a lot of this energy, this vibrancy that I wanted to put out there. I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, you know, much, you know, the stereotypical Asian parents, that's what they want you to be. But I was like, I knew for a fact that I didn't want to do it, um, much to their dismay. <laughs> um, uh, but I ended up going to college and realizing, you know, Graphic design is really cool, and I just kind of fell into it. Um, not really fell into it. I worked hard for it, but um, I fell into the marketing world. I worked in an agency for a while. Um, but the entrepreneur side of me, it's not like, don't get it, I'll show you kind of mentality again. I always wanted to do the next best thing. So um, with the photography side, 
people started telling me, you need to start charging people. And so I did. And then I more or less was like, I can do more than this. So um, I started doing logo work. I started doing branding work. Um, and then I started doing strategy work. And then I kind of sort of became this serial entrepreneur, um, which is kind of detrimental to myself because I'm always working all the time. Um, but with quarantine and COVID, I realized really what my passion is again, which is to help people and, and lift their voices. So I kind of went back to my roots again, which is the drawing, the illustration, um, and I started a new venture in the advocacy spectrum, um, just raising awareness to certain causes that were important to me and um, just helping other organizations that needed it. Wow. You, you have like the best answers because it's like compelling things that I want to go back to. Um, so one thing that I can tell you that we have in common, I also kind of had that bug that I wanted to like act or put myself out there and be a speaker. And really a lot of this wanting to be a speaker was to just, talk about my journey. I feel like I've had such a unique path in life and a lot of that has to do with the fact that I haven't really met anybody like me. So mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the things I've gone through internally and just day to day have been pretty unique. And I know I took an acting class when I was in college mm -hmm. and that actually did a lot of good to show me that, okay, I can put myself out there a little bit and people aren't like rejecting me and, you know, mm -hmm. looking down at me because I had the same mind block where it was like, well, nobody's gonna hire me to be an actor or be mm -hmm. on camera or anything like that. So I'm, I'm gonna be a writer and I'm going to work in broadcasting, but I'll be behind the scenes. I won't be in front of the camera. And looking back, I mean, I don't know if you have the same thought or not. I know for me personally, I look back and I'm like, oh man, I should have just pursued what was in my heart and in my soul. Because I think I would have been even happier doing all that. And, you know, just... I, I can remember thinking about the future and thinking about where I would be and how people would look at me and how inspired they would be. Mm -hmm. And if only I could just get through the like 10 million obstacles I had and mind yeah. blocks in my head that I could get there. And I feel like it's taken me a long time, but I feel like I finally have gotten to that point and it yeah. feels really good. Like, I, I definitely still have that mentality you have of, you know, I'm going to show them and I'm going to get them and I'm still very driven. But mm -hmm. uh, I guess the one thing about that, you know, going to show them mentality, and I don't know, it, it still helps to drive me. Like, the one thing I had to learn is 
if there were any people from my past who I felt were particularly like a thorn in my side, I was mm -hmm. like, well, I'm definitely going to show them and they're going to come back and they're going to say, I'm sorry. And, you know, mm -hmm. you're great and whatever. And I've come to find that it doesn't really turn out that way. <laughs> and uh, it's a great mindset to have because it motivates you and inspires mm -hmm. you. And it makes you see that you can do a lot more than you thought you could do. But yeah. that was like a hard reality because when Facebook came around, I was like, oh man, all these people I know are like on Facebook. They're going to see what I'm doing. They're, they're going to all just like apologize. <laughs> and I had this like notion that that was going to happen. And yeah, it didn't. <laughs> so I don't know if that is something that uh, you ever like went through or struggled with, but I know I did. And for some reason, did I lose you? Are you still there? I think I might have lost New, who uh, her screen is frozen. And now she's back. I'm back. So I think I was. Don't know what happened. You know, well, that's okay because there was very little silence. I didn't even know. Like, you just had that look on your face. I'm like, oh, what did I say? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, she just lost her connection. So I don't know how much of that whole uh, dialogue you heard, but I guess what I really want to round this out and ask is did you ever have this mentality of like I mean we know you have the mentality of fist pumping and I'm going to show you but mm -hmm. what did you ever like feel like okay people whoever teased me or looked down on me or was you know just passive aggressive and not you know giving me enough credit did you ever have any moments where you were like, I hope so-and-so comes back and says they're sorry or whatever? Have you had those moments? I, so I guess in the moment when they happen, when they tease me or bullied me, um, I, I don't always, I, I don't try, I don't like to be spiteful, so I don't actively say like, oh, like, oh you're going to get it. Um, but it was always more of like, yeah, I'm going to show you that I'm more than what you think I am. Um, you know, I never wanted to have revenge necessarily, just I wanted people to learn more about themselves as people um, and really develop themselves emotionally and maturely. Um, and I've actually, I've had those kind of redemption moments, which are, I would say, are nice to have. You know, I've had people, you know, when I was a child, they push me in the trash cans or like they laugh at me or whatever. Um, I've had them on Facebook message me and say like, hey, I'm getting married or I'm getting engaged. Um, I love your work. And I'm like, hmm, hmm, I'm ah. a premium right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, there have been moments of that, but I'm, it, it gets to the point where I'm like, you know, like, to feel satisfied by that, 
it's sort of an empty feeling now, you know, like, what am I really getting out of it? It's not for me to get back at them, you know, we're different people now. I'm sure they've grown and learned and realized who they were as people, and they were just kids. Um, so I think now it's more, it's about education, really, and that's why I speak and mentor other people. You know, I, I'm sure anybody, even myself, have had moments in life where they might have been judgmental or thought about certain ways or certain things in certain ways but um the way i like to promote is just taking that kind of mentality and shifting it into something productive so um you know for me growing up i battled with depression and anxiety i still do um and so that's a really big hump to get over especially when you're a creative or designer you have a lot of the self-doubt that you're dealing with, um, tons of competition, especially with COVID. Um, I, I do a lot of speaking with, especially new graduates, um, and mentorship with them, just to help them really realize and embrace who they are as people and designers and establish that brand for yourself. You shouldn't be designing and creating, thing, creating things um, just to be compared to other people. You should create for yourself. So that's something that I've learned um, you know, your style is your style and you should embrace it. If people don't hire you, that's because they're not a good fit for you, not because they don't like you. So, um, these are the kind of things that I try to promote now. Um, just in terms of, it's not about what other people think anymore, it's about yourself and you should be happy about that. I totally agree. I mean, like I said through that whole dialogue when you had that technical <laughs> issue, I mean... I think I had to learn and realize that all these things I was hung up on from when I was growing up, I had to get over it. Yep. And I had to just realize that, look, this is my life. It's my path. It's my journey. Yeah, all that stuff and those people were a part of that journey. But, mm -hmm. I mean, at this point, I'm a completely different person. I'm sure they, whoever they are, they are different now. And mm -hmm. I think I just had to realize that not only can you not expect that kind of a thing, you know, just because I was born with particular obstacles and might have been looked down on, I can't expect that people are just all going to come around and get on their hands and knees and apologize and it's not really like the way I want to live my life anyway and I guess mm -hmm. that's just the kind of thing you learn as you get older and you evolve and I feel like at this point it's almost like yeah that's it's hard to look back on some stuff but you really have to just keep moving forward and yeah. I think more than anything it's taught me to learn to not dwell on the past and to keep mm -hmm. pushing forward and to want more for my future and not let all that hold me back and you know sit on the couch and dwell on mm -hmm. something from 20 30 years ago when I could be doing something for myself today right. so I, I feel like everything you said, like everything you're saying in this episode is just so relatable 
I feel mm-hmm. like it's such a parallel in uh, lessons learned and uh, the path that we've uh, led. So um, with that being said, um, what can we talk about now? So we talked about your uh, design and uh, everything you're doing with that. I talked about your path a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can always go back to more uh, personal stuff. I know we talked beforehand that there's some advocacy stuff that you wanted to uh, talk about, and you mentioned that in your last uh, little exchange there. And uh, just because I keep looking around, like, I don't know if that's it or not. So you can educate me on what you're uh, advocating for. Sure. So with quarantine and COVID and a lot of the recent events in the world lately, there's so much misunrest in the world. Um, And something that I've really started to embrace with myself is that... um, I can be memorable, and it's okay to be different and to embrace that. Um, And what I mean by that is when I talk to someone, you know, whether I'm networking or I'm just meeting them for the first time, my face is not, you know, like they'll say something unique about me, right? Either it's my hearing aid or my my bilateral plus um, or my speech impediment. There's something off. (laughs) Like, Like, I'm not normal. It's fine. Um, but I embrace that. Um, so how can I take that first impression of being different and for them to not forget me and use that to my advantage? So I really started to build my network um, as of late and really expand and meet new people. You know, that's why I really came on to Lincoln Rover Baltimore and met people like yourself and Melody and all these amazing people um, and realizing that and the impact that I make can be really sustainable. So um, I'm really passionate about a lot of things just in terms of, you know, equal rights for certain groups and making sure that these people that are being oppressed have the chance to have the same kind of rights and same kind of um, privileges as other people. So I find a lot of myself in that kind of group because being a person of color, that was another obstacle added on to me as well growing up. Um, you know, going to schools with a predominantly white people, it's hard to really give it, be given those same kind of chances as others. And you're talking about, you know, looking back and saying, you know, I really should have gone all the way with the actor thing. And I, you know, I do the same thing with the, the singing thing. I really, I love singing still, um, but I just felt like, oh, like, this part, like an applied director or uh, the theater director, um, you know, he favors, you know, these white students because they just fit the role better. Um, and it just seemed like for me that representation wasn't there, so there just wasn't a space for me. So representation in all kinds of forms, whether it's about the palette or it's about, um, you know, certain kinds of rights, not having them, that really matters to me. So, um, like I said previously, I really came back to my roots of illustration um, and really embraced 
the mentality of um, it, it's all about the messaging. It's not about how perfect the art is. And that's actually something that's kind of an issue in the brand design art world. A lot of people struggle with, you know, how can I make myself stand out, but also how can I make people like my work? And for me, I realized it's not about making people like your work. It's about making people relate to your work. So um, that's something I really started to take a hold of. And I've really um, produced a lot of work that's, that really means a lot to me. And so um, in light of recent um, protests and stuff like that, I've created a lot of work that a lot of organizations have picked up, which has been really great. Um, recently, unfortunately, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. So I made a piece for, dedicated to her. And that is, it actually went viral this past weekend, which is really cool. Wow, nice. um, so a lot of people picked it up. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that kind of work and also doing kind of just fun stuff. Like, for example, I actually have a sticker that I made here. It's Yoda holding bubble tea. Um, and just cute little stickers that I put up on my Etsy shop. Um, but the, the things that I have um, that are more cause-focused, I, I always donate a, proceed, a portion of those proceeds to certain organizations because I think it, it just is important to me to use my skills and my, my, just my voice for good, so. That's wonderful. I love hearing about all this stuff and uh, you know I know we talked beforehand about how political and how much we wanted to dive into yeah. this. Um, what I will say is that as somebody who you know even though I'm a white male I mean I have definitely had my fair share of challenges and obstacles and judgments and disclusions and even though you know I am in that demographic and you know I've, I've had a pretty hard time I've really had to fight for pretty much everything that I have going on in my life so for me and just looking at the relationships I've had you know I grew up in the city of Reading Pennsylvania probably one of the most multicultural places I've ever been. And I spent 27 years of my life living there. And not only did that give me an opportunity to meet all kinds of people from all different walks of life, it also gave me an opportunity to see all these different people from all these different groups, you know, accepting me and taking me in where in my own demographic I didn't always feel like I belonged or fit in and mm -hmm. for me to not be supportive of all these movements going on like especially this year and mm -hmm. you know it's always been in my blood to be supportive of these movements but especially now for me to not support that having walked in the shoes that I've walked in and the experiences I've had it would be absolutely like what the hell am I thinking like what am I doing so it's like you know all these movements that are going on right now like they 
absolutely get my support. You know, I totally think that uh, we should strive to understand each other more. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about before we started, which is I don't feel like enough people know what people like us go through just with, like, having a cleft lip and palate. And Mm -hmm. people need to understand that it it is hard, you know. It's People can be very judgmental. And depending on where you grow up or what school you might go to, it can be pretty brutal. And even in, like, my work career, I've kind of felt some of the effects of it. And even if it's not actually happening, it's still affecting me mentally. And I can only imagine how, you know, people fighting for equal rights are feeling without even having a cleft lip and palate or that kind Mm -hmm. of obstacle. I almost feel like there's some parallels there. And, you know, it's... And it goes back to that whole empathy thing, right? Yeah. You, you and I have experienced all these hardships, but even then we recognize our own privilege in the fact that we are able to still have the life that we had and we have the chance to overcome these obstacles, whereas, you know, certain groups of people may feel that they're just not given that chance at all, despite being completely normal and if it's even a color of their skin or their sexual orientation, you know, it's just, it's always something, so, yeah. yeah. Like, no, I, I mean, again, not to turn the second half of this into a political <laughs> discussion, but, I mean, I just wanted to say, I think what you're doing is, like, terrific. I wish, I think there was a time where I tried to, uh, like, create a Facebook page for, you know, cleft-related stuff, and it's something that I really want to go back to someday, and maybe if and when I ever get to where I want to be with the podcast or whatever creative project I, you know, am involved with, hopefully that's something that I can come back to and, uh, you know, be an active advocate for. So, um, speaking, you know, I wrote a couple notes because you keep saying such good things that I want to go back to. Um, So, first of all, the one thing that you and I have in common, like, obviously, we have a lot in common, but I also was born with a bilateral cleft lip. So, I wanted to put that out there. I don't know if that's something you can even notice, but uh, I wanted to make that uh, that point that uh, that's something, as I hit my pop filler, that we both uh, have in common. And we also, like, I spent a lot of time in speech class, and uh, my speech therapist has probably the most anti- cleft lip like name like you don't want to pronounce his name his name is Mr. Schlossler oh so, my <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, 
he was amazing and I saw him for years and he was somebody who definitely helped me to become, you know, as good of a speaker as I am now, which I think I do pretty good. But uh, um, yeah, the, just again, that was like the thing. Now, I don't know when you did your speech pathology, but I would do mine in like the middle of the day, in the middle yeah, of in school. school. Yeah. And like, oh man, another thing that like make you like stand out in a weird kid. Yeah, like that's weird. Why is he leaving? Yeah. Why is he doing that? So it was just like, oh, this but yeah. it, it was a really good thing because even to this day, I think about those lessons that I learned and if I'm not pronouncing a P or a B properly and actually doing it with my lips which I can mm -hmm. actually be a little lazy about mm -hmm. so I always think of him going ba and pa and I'm sure you had the <laughs> same yeah I'm really lazy with my my S's and my T's um and I think you know going back to the whole reporting yourself on camera thing that's actually something that helped me growing up so I I used to like sing like, on YouTube and like post these videos and I would like critique myself so singing really helped me really hammer those enunciation struggles I had down um but another thing I would really recommend to anyone even if they don't have the palate is taking a public speaking class um I really struggle with breath control which singing does help with but when you're talking it's a whole different ball game um i really i don't know if you have the same issue but i run out of breath sometimes out of my nose um oh and yeah so i'm like chatting and then all of a sudden I'm like huh oh god hold on and i have to breathe so i forget um and it's this weird finding those moments and sentences to take those deep breaths so for me especially in singing holding notes has always been a really hard thing for me um and also random but i can't blow balloons without having to hold my nose and yeah, I can't feel like when people just go one one blow and done and I'm like okay here we go <laughs> like, and I have to hold my nose otherwise it gets out of my nose so and these little things I think it's it's hard but I, speech pathology has really helped me um and also public speaking class in college really helps you just appear more confident people take you more seriously um you have those moments you know when to take those breaks when you're talking uh without having to feel the need to fill them with like us or um and just when people say that it, it they take you less seriously so i recommend that to anyone that needs to help so first of all i definitely cannot blow a balloon so you yeah. got one up on me. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I I cannot do that. And I do agree that speech class really helped because it it just helps you to think about what you're saying and how you're saying it. Mm -hmm. And I think just doing this podcast, when I listen back, I'm like, okay, I need to 
talk louder or I need to enunciate better. Yeah. And otherwise, like, you might be able to understand me, but it just sounds a little flat. So, right. you know, I have learned to uh, take any internal or external feedback on mm-hmm. my speech and try to keep it in mind, which is not always easy to do, but especially since people may not realize this, but you really have to put the effort into speaking sometimes. Like, it's something that you feel like you're good enough at. So Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I can just be cool and relax like other people and just it'll come natural. But it's not necessarily that way. Like, you have to work at it. And, yeah, uh, yeah, you're shaking your head, yes. Yeah, I'm like, yes, I feel all this. Um, Especially for me, too, being a female, um, I don't know if you've ever, I I don't know if you've ever had this trouble, but growing up, whenever I really made that effort to over-enunciate, people would take it the wrong way. They would think that I'm being too aggressive or I'm being too, like, like, snippy, um, and that's something I, I also had to overcome because, you know, when it comes to females, if you're being too demanding, you're called a bitch or, yeah. you know, not a, you know, whereas, you know, a man, when they're being demanding, they're called a great leader. So these are also things that I have to really work on. Um, thankfully now, I don't let that bother me. Um, you know, before my, I had issues protecting and so when I did work on that I would like it felt like I was yelling and people were like okay take it down a notch and I'm like this is just me trying to be like like audible um but yeah now I I don't really care what people say I will say things how I need to say them um but that was something I also had to overcome too just people don't recognize there are so many nuances in speech that if you do it a certain way, people take it the wrong way. So uh, that's something else I had to learn too. No, I totally agree with that. And I don't know if I ever had any moments where I really was enunciating and like rubbed anybody the wrong way. But if I did, I'm sure I was kind of like, yeah, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. take yeah. me seriously. Pound my chest. And I I don't think that that really happened very much. But I can mm-hmm. understand, you know, just the effort and the struggle that it is to, uh, you know, be heard and thinking seriously. And, yeah. I mean, it's something to this day, even... Like, I had this notion that I was going to be successful, I was going to do all these things, and then I'd be able to just put my feet up on the desk and be completely taken seriously and right off into the sunset. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) And, uh, again, that's something I had to learn and understand that life doesn't necessarily work that way. And in some ways, you know, we're a lot more like people who don't have those obstacles than we think. Yet, you know, there are definitely those differences. And uh, 
one thing that I actually uh, want to talk about before we run out of time is mm-hmm. uh, just the whole uh, journey of uh, repair. You know, we're born with these obstacles and, you know, they obviously need repair. I'd be interested if you feel like talking about it, just be interested in like, you know, how many surgeries you had to endure and just like, what what all did you have to endure just uh, through your own journey? Oh, oh my gosh. It's so funny too when people are like, oh, I have to get surgery done tomorrow. And it's just like, oh, well, I've had like eight, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. um, but anyway, um, I've had a lot of work done. Um, you know, it's hard to recall all of them because some of them I was even too young to remember. But obviously, when I was um, maybe two, I had my lips done. You know, I had a big gap here. Um, for those that don't know what my lateral cleft lip is, it's when it's both sides going up through your nostrils. Um, and then, um, and the, you know this, Martha, that if it's not bilateral, it's just the one side where it's cleft on the one nostril. So, Marv and I, we've had. We have bilateral, which is two here. You can see my scars. Um, so I had that done, but underneath my dental work was horrendous. Um, I just, because we don't have that bone structure up there, they keep growing kind of oddly. So um, after that, it was just a long journey of dental work. So I've had expanders maybe two or three times in my life. Um, I've had braces twice. Um, I've had a bone graft done from my hip, so they took the bone from my hip and put it up where my palate is, um, right behind my front teeth, just so my front teeth have somewhere to kind of latch on to. <clears throat> and then um, I had jaw work done, um, and then the dental work, because my teeth grew in so oddly growing up, it was so hard to clean. So um, I've had a lot of years where my teeth just weren't getting the right hygiene they needed to get. So I actually have, um, like I've had some teeth taken out. I've had several root canals just because these were teeth that I just wasn't able to tend to growing up. Um, and eventually I'd like to get uh, some veneers just because uh, my teeth appear dead. Said. Um, but then after that, um, the bone graft and all that, my most recent one was my jaw surgery. So um, I had, I think I mentioned earlier, I had a really big underbite. Um, so they broke my jaw, put it together in place. They needed to do all the, te- the dental work first in order to do that, just like the teeth would match up. Um, <clears throat> and then with that, I also had um, my wisdom teeth taken out, but that's kind of irrelevant. Um, everyone has that done. Um, so yeah, that's it from there. And then in terms of my hearing aids, I just wear hearing aids, uh, whenever I'm awake. So, yeah. Wow. So I had a bone graft, but it was not from my hip. It was actually from my skull. And oh, I wow. still, I still have the indentation to this oh, wow. day. I had that surgery in 1989 and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously it's 
healed up, but mm-hmm. I can still feel where they did it. And uh, it was for much the same reason as you to bring in those eye teeth and, uh, you know, to give myself some teeth, which mm-hmm. at this point, I'm just wearing a bridge because mm-hmm. uh, it just got to a point where I think I was in my mid-teens and I'm like, look, I think I look good. I'm tired of all these surgeries and all this work. Like, I just wanted it to be done. So, um, yeah, I guess for me, I don't really have a good idea of how many surgeries I might have had mm-hmm. prior to 1989, which I was 10 at that point. But mm-hmm. I did, from that point, I had obviously the bone graft and uh, that all gone and had a rhinoplasty where they actually broke my nose. Mm. And, uh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had that done. I think I was 1990, if I'm not mistaken. And then, so I had both of those in uh, Philadelphia. So okay. I had for years, once a month, driving down to Philadelphia for mm. orthodontic work mm. and had a couple surgeries at uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. I think I'm and, in mind of Children's Hospital of uh, Philadelphia in the spring. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so after Philadelphia, we transitioned to a surgeon who was in the Reading area. And I had, I think, two more that I can think of. And one of those was a, a chin thing. So mm-hmm. I had uh, some chin work done. And I think after 1995, I think that was it. But as you learned before we went on, I mean, I was born with a syndrome called Opus GBBB. And with the cleft lip and palate, I also had some other stuff that came with it and mm-hmm. had some surgeries for those things as well. So I've had plenty of surgery. But yeah. one thing I will say about you is that you're a little more courageous than me. I still get a little nervous at the idea of mm-hmm. having surgery. So. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just like, hey, put me under. I don't want to remember any of it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I definitely don't want to remember it. Yeah. <laughs> just a year or two ago, I had a whole new set of bridge work done. Mm-hmm. And there was a tooth that was going, uh, like, just decaying. It was going bad. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't, like, just yank it out. So they had to, like, more or less hammer it out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. awake for that whole thing. And See, okay, when it comes to normal surgeries, like, you know, when they put you under, like, I'm okay with that, but when it, anything that comes to dental work, I still get a heebie-jeebies. So, like, I'm just remembering all the drills and all the, it's just so uncomfortable, and you're awake for most of the time. So, I mean, when it comes to dental stuff, ugh. <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> it's it's but, unnerving. Yeah, it really is, especially when, you know, you and I have gone through so much. Like, do you imagine how many of those, like, what are they called? Casts we had to do. 
Oh my god! I probably a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> no. oh, I have. Oh yeah, no, I say no more. I I understand. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, we're coming kind of close to the end here. I don't want to take up too much of your day. Um, let's. Uh, I'll give you the opportunity to talk a little bit more about what you do and how people can find your work, how they can work with you. And, you know, I'll give you a chance to talk about that a little bit. Sure. Thanks for the plug. Um, so like I said before, I do a lot of creative strategy for a lot of small businesses. Um, just as my own sort of freelance thing. I also do a lot of branding and logo work for a lot of businesses. Um, so what that means is just trying to really getting to the root of what your message is, what your values are, and how to apply that across the board in all the collateral that you put out. And um, even especially social media, how do you want to represent yourself out on the internet? <laughs> because I think now it's more important than ever that people look at a company and they're like, I know what you stand for. Um, so that is something that I do. I also do social media strategy. Um, but I also, on the other side of things, do mentor and speak for people. So I go, well, before COVID, I would go to high schools and speak to students going to college. And I would also go to college and speak to students that are about to graduate and hit that market um, looking for a job. Um, and I have like a couple of students that I take on time to time that I just kind of have some calls like this one. Um, not really therapy in a way, but just helping them orient themselves professionally and how to get over those self-doubts um, and kind of, like I said, turn those into things that are productive um, and taking things day by day because I know right now, especially for a lot of people that are out of work or looking for jobs, it's really overwhelming, especially with everything in the news as well. Um, so really knowing how to wrangle that into really digestible goals and tasks and doing something that not only helps you professionally, but helps yourself internally and just make yourself feel better all over. So, and yeah, so you can find me on um, brand new. My name is newnhu.com. Um, so you can find all my work there or contact me through my site. So thank you. Awesome. And let me just say, when you talk about speaking at colleges and high schools, mm -hmm. that's like a dream of mine. Like that's something I totally want to do. And it's one yeah. of the reasons that I started doing this podcast is because I want to put myself in a position to do stuff like that. So when you said that you've been doing that, I'm like, oh. That's that's the thing. That's what I want to do. So, yeah, it's a way for it. Just go for it. Like I just, I like we talked about it already. Go after it. Don't wait for people to come to you. I like reach out to the community or the career services departments. Um, and I'm staying in touch with a couple of the teachers at high schools. So um, I didn't say, hey, I have a story that I want to share. Um, I think your students might want to hear it. And Worst thing they can say is no, so. Fair enough. Well, I guess 
when you start reading about the, you know, reasons that you can, you know, make money off of being a podcaster, reasons <laughs> to do it or why, and it's just like, hmm, that could help uh, leverage that dream a little bit. So, yeah, just, you know, I it's good for me to hear stories like yours because I'm like, oh, okay, she's just going and doing it. Why can't mm-hmm. I do that? I can do yeah, that. So, sure. look, I could probably go all day on this, but, <laughs> you know, I guess uh, we got to move on with our day. One quick thing I want to throw out there. When I looked at your website, I did notice your one playlist for uh, news karaoke faves. Yeah. So, <laughs> You do uh, go out there and uh, do karaoke, huh? Oh, yeah. I am a serious karaoke person. Now, do do you have this Mule karaoke app? I used to. Um, I don't do it as much anymore just because you need to, like, I'm also a perfectionist, so I'm like, oh, I missed that note. I'm going to do it all over again. So... I, it got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm not even posting anything because <laughs> I think it's not good enough. Um, but I used to play with it a lot. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, since the pandemic started, I've really been uh, on it. I can't say that I have, like, the greatest voice. There's, there's some songs and vocalists that I can really do well, and there's others where I'm way over my head. So. <laughs> I guess so that would be Houston for you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, for example, I see that you're uh, doing some Whitney Houston songs. And mm-hmm. I mean, if that's something you're comfortable doing, that's amazing. I would be I'm not comfortable, but I like to push myself. <laughs> I, I would be stupid enough to just be like, well, I love that song by whoever. I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. And then I listen back, I'm like, oh my god, delete. <laughs> so, yeah, I I just happened to catch that and wanted to ask about that. And knew uh, mm. you're really an inspiration and yeah. you've been very inspiring to me in this episode. And thank you for flagging me down and uh, for wanting to be on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe someday we'll figure out another uh, reason to do it again. And, uh, you know, I do have the live privilege on LinkedIn. So maybe we'll do I know. It took me, like, I applied, and it took two or three months to get approved. It was... uh, Oh, wow. I applied maybe a month ago, so we'll see. Oh, well, good luck. And uh, hopefully you get it, and Maybe we can do a Mark My Words live sometime and uh, we'll continue the conversation. um, Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You know, I I noticed you had bilateral talk with Palata and I knew you just had to have a story. I wanted to hear it. So thank you for sharing your story as well. Um, And I just wanted to plug one more thing. It's not for myself, but it's for Smile Train, which is an organization that helps um, kids in third world countries that have chocolate palette but can't afford it. Um, if you go on Amazon.com, um, they, I think it's like smile.amazon.com, 
um, all of the all of the uh, the purchases you make, a small portion of that goes to Smile Train. Um, so all you have to do is kind of switch over your default from Amazon to Smile Amazon.com or something along those lines, um, and that really goes a long way. So um, if you're watching this and if Mark, if you're not already doing it, I highly suggest it because I know a lot of kids are really benefit from that. Yeah, I've heard of Smile Train. I should definitely get a little more involved with some of these things. I think when I got to that point a few years ago where I started doing more entrepreneurial types of uh, activities, that was something that I really wanted to get more involved with. So hopefully as the pandemic hopefully gets better Mm -hmm. and even before so, you know, maybe that's something I can look into more and do. And mm-hmm. when you mention Smile Train, if you're on Instagram, there's a really great page called Clef Proud. And okay. they always are spotlighting stories from around the world, like almost on a daily basis of people just their own unique stories and what they've been through. And uh, it's a really great thing to follow and a really great way for people to understand the obstacles and the challenges that people like you and I face Mm -hmm. every day growing up and just even as an adult. So I wanted to throw that in there in addition to your thing. So... Mm -hmm. We could ramble on all day, but I'm going <laughs> to uh, say goodbye for now. Uh, this was New When. I'm Mark Schmidt, and this was Mark My Words. I'll be back soon for another episode. Bye. Bye.